0: Hello and welcome to the Peak State Fit Experience podcast recorded from the Peak State Fit Performance Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. You are listening to our fifth episode. This is the first season of our podcast and we'll follow the modules in the Nail Your First Ironman course, which is now available for $189. I created the course with 35 video lessons covering the four pillars of Ironman, swim, bike, run, and nutrition, plus tips for my 34 years of racing experience and 20 years of coaching experience. Peak State Fit has placed an importance on education since our inception. Our business mission is to share knowledge and empower others through education. Last week in our show, we talked about setting goals with coach Jen Rulon. And you can head back over to catch that on Spotify or YouTube, and please hit the subscribe and um, give us a five-star rating after listening to the show. We really appreciate that. So this week, we are going to talk about equipment selection for your first Ironman. And we have guest Pat Casey, my husband and owner of Peak State Fit With Me. And I brought Pat on today because with equipment selection for um, triathlon, really one of the most expensive things that you'll buy is your bike and things to go along with the bike. And so what better expert than to cover bikes than Pat? So Pat, um, I'll let you do a brief introduction. Most people listening to this might know you, but they may not know either one of us if they're listening for the first time and not familiar. So introduce yourself and then we'll talk about um, the equipment selection.
1: Sure thing, yeah. Happy to be on and excited to uh, cover this topic. Because it's a big conversation piece uh, with clients we have coming into the studio. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Pat Casey. I am a coach, uh, bike fitter, and um, elite road racer. Own a domestic elite racing team, uh, which is sort of like a sort of like a pro am team that. Travels around in races. Uh, none of us, none of us do that exclusively. We all have we all have day jobs, uh, but we have a passion for racing and uh, competition, and uh, you know, getting to travel around and, and ride bikes in cool places. So, um, yeah. But my main hat that I wear here and every day is uh, is as a consultant for uh, athletes, primarily long course triathletes. And uh, even people that are re- more recreational that uh, are always trying to find a better experience through uh, bike fit, through movement and through uh, you know, what we provide uh, at Peak State Fit through this experience based model that we've uh, we developed.
0: Yeah, great introduction. And so with that, we're gonna dive into our first question. And so um, again, I remind our guests um, and the people listening to the show that this um, this can apply to all triathletes, but we are particularly going back into that beginner's mindset of someone who might be um, researching doing their very first Ironman. So what advice would you give this athlete, a beginner athlete looking for their very first bike? They don't have a bike at all. So what are some of those steps, knowing that they are going to do an Ironman on this bike?
1: It's a great question. I think, you know, especially for the full distance Ironman discussion and 70.3, it's a a really crucial um, piece of equipment to to understand, you know, the main differences between a road bike and a triathlon bike, the benefits that you're gonna get from one to the other. And, you know, if you're on a budget and you can only, you're only going to buy one bike for this, for this endeavor, and that might grow into, into something more advanced later. Um, I think having something more versatile, if you're just going to have one, if we had an unlimited budget, uh, you know, and we didn't have to consider cost, then, you know, buying one of each is probably the best way to go. Uh, Mostly because there's, there's, uh, there's a tremendous amount of benefit to having Uh, a road bike. And I would say, you know, if you're going to just buy one bike, getting a road bike is an important thing because it will open more doors for you to meet people through training. Um, so the main differences of a road bike to a triathlon bike are in the geometry of the bike. And then of course, in the components that make up, uh, where you put your hands and how your body is naturally going to be positioned on that bike. Uh, a road bike is your traditional drop handlebar. Uh, you know, it has a curve in it that, you know, you, you have all these different hand positions, but the brakes and the shifters are all in one spot. Um, the geometry is going to be a more upright position where you're, you're positioned on your hands seated. Um, In the bike fitting world, we like to describe this as being a bit more of a slack geometry uh, as opposed to a steeper geometry, which is more of a triathlon setup. On a triathlon bike, your body will be more forward. Um, The muscles that you're going to use are going to be slightly different. It'll be a little bit more quad, a little bit more glute, a little bit less hamstring and cap. And uh, your elbows will rest on the handlebars. The main difference for a beginner is that your gearing and your brakes on a, on most triathlon bikes are in two different places. There's gearing Mm -hmm. and shifters up on what we call the extensions where your hands will be when your elbows are rested on the pads. Mm -hmm. And then your brakes will be on what are called the bullhorns or the base bar. And if you have electronic shifting, there will be some shifters down there too, most likely. But your shifters and your brakes are most often going to be separate positions on the bike. Um, obviously, if you're just getting getting into the sport, that can be a challenging piece to get used to and to overcome. Um, so I think your athleticism, your experience with riding is going to be a big part of that discussion. And then, of course, too, this is sort of our next topic, is getting into what's going to be the best bike for that task. And if you're trying to make the position on the road bike achievable to, uh, getting into an aerodynamic position, like adding a set of clip-on aero extensions, you want to make sure that the components on that bike allow you to be a little bit further forward than a traditional road setup. And then also that the reach of the frame and the stack is going to accommodate for your ability to actually comfortably get those elbows into those pads at an appropriate angle of your torso and your Mm
0: body. Yeah, I don't want to jump too far ahead because we actually have an entire question dedicated to talking about using bar extensions on a road bike. And for for this particular, you know, really just getting into that very first question of somebody trying to select a bike, um, I'd love if you would share a little bit more about maybe what is a pre-purchase sizing fit and how to the importance of making sure that someone buys the correct size and that not all sizes are consistent across the industry. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, So anywhere you live in the country, there's probably a a resource that can speak to these elements. Um, But without any context, they're very challenging to understand. If you look at a bike manufacturer's website and you look at the geometry chart, you'll see all these numbers in millimeters and they're very, uh, specific to each brand. So what we do with the pre-purchase fit is sort of help peel back some of the layers of what those sizes mean and why they're important in terms of your body, your, uh, dimensions, your flexibility. And, uh, some brands might work better for you than others. Uh, as Heather mentioned with the, yeah, with the, um, continuation of looking for that size if you if it's a small medium large size that would be different between canyon which tend to run uh very small for their or i i guess they they are just inconsistent with brands like trek and brands like mm-hmm. um specialized and so there's you know you have to sort of look at that geometry chart and and allow a little bit of space for you to to uh, understand it from the context of specific sizing. And so within a pre-purchase fit, you would come in, uh, we would go through some basic flexibility, ranges of motion, previous injury discussion, distance of races that you're going to be looking into doing. Um, and then we would get you onto a fit bike and the fit bike mm-hmm. is really cool. It's able to basically modify itself around any bike position that uh of any bike that exists. So based upon the stack and the reach geometry, and then the C-tube angle, we can position you uh, and, and fabricate a position that would simulate a real bike. So what you would leave right. with. And
0: we know from, yeah, from this, you know, the past year, our experience in Peak State Fit, seeing the increase in pre-purchase sizing fits that, we, that we're doing. And I love that because I think I feel like getting an athlete on the right bike the first time <laughs> rather than, you know, having po- a possible experience of um, having the, the wrong size or simply a geometry, because we've seen that too. Um, I don't think that Kayla would mind us sharing, you know, a story of from her bike experience where she was on a bike frame that she thought she liked. She came and had a bike fit with you. It was working well for her, I should say. But then, you know, she got hit by a car in Ironman, Arizona, and ended up destroying that bike. And then when she bought a new bike, she went with the Cervelo. And she said, you know, that geometry, she could tell that first ride, that that geometry worked better for her body than her previous selection.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, and I think the characteristics of, of people's, uh, anatomical dimensions and what their, uh, pre their pre-fit will determine, you know, you, you can't, you can't find that stuff out on your own unless you went out and rode every bike that, you know, exists, which is really hard. Most cycling shops don't, carry tri bikes it's not a it's not an easy bike yeah. to fit on not easy inventory to carry um you know we've been in the bike industry i've been in the bike industry for almost 20 years now and it's uh yeah it's it's There are few and far between shops that actually stock tt bikes so it, the the pre-purchase size and fit is is so important for this for this specific niche because it is um, it is so hard to track down bikes if you can't, if you can't just get your hands on them and, you know, and be right. able to actually ride that position and see what that different length feels like and making adjustments to that fit bike just to simulate what you're going to get. Um, that peace of mind is just invaluable.
0: Yeah. You know, and I wanted to go back um, for just a moment before we go to our next topic to discuss um, again, if you have you, this is your, you don't have a bike at all. That road bike versus tri bike selection. Um, I think Pat and I both agree, and I just wanted to emphasize that the enjoyment of owning a bike, it, it, that road bike is going to be a better selection for you. You're going to be able to go on group rides with other people. You'll be able to do other types of rides like big mountain canyon climbs more comfortably than than in your tri bike. Mm-hmm. So if you can only get one, I would get a road bike. And um, then if you can get two, get two <laughs> and more. And you'll one, always right?
1: use that road bike. And the, yeah. and the fun thing about the road bike is it just opens like – like you said, it just opens so many avenues for you to be able to explore and and experience where you live in a different way. Um, and you know, Mm -hmm. there's, I, I think cycling infrastructure in a lot of areas in the country is improving. Um, but yeah, even if you're just trying to get used to being out on, on the bike that, you know, riding on bike paths on a tri bike is miserable because you can't, you can't transition from that, that arrow position to that upright position over and over again, if there's street crossings, it's not, it's just not a, mm-hmm. not as as viable of an option. So I think the learning. Yeah. Glad we bike. agree.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So our next topic, we are going to talk about um, cycling apparel or what we refer to in the industry as your kit, your cycling kit, your tri kit. And I think Pat, you're also such a great, person for me to ask this question to, because you, you do so many bike fits. I mean, this past year you did 427 bike fits in 2022 and you see people on their bikes in their clothes that they bring to our studio. And a lot of times we will hear people say, well, I can't get comfortable on my saddle. Now there's lots of reasons for that. And that's for a different topic to talk about saddles specifically but a lot of times we'll look at somebody on this, you know, gorgeous new bike that costs more than most people's cars, but they have on these crappy clothes, this crappy clothing. And we're like, your chamois is so bad. You need some better clothing. So talk to us. Tell us what we should be doing. Oh,
1: yeah. The um, the clapped out chamois is like the the bane of my existence, I think, because people have this emotional connection to their to their chamois, but you know, you you wouldn't run in a pair of running shoes for three years. Why would you buy a $75 pair of cycling shorts at, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods and think that that's going to carry you through an Ironman? I don't understand. There's this huge disconnect between, um, quality of chamois and, um, it's, impact on your riding experience. Um, so yeah, providing some education here is really important. I think especially from a fundamental standpoint in talking to beginners, this is such a huge, um, a huge missed opportunity and people just succumb to the idea that, Oh, well, riding my bike should just be uncomfortable. I should be, I should be chafed and have, Mm -hmm. you know, saddle sorts. That's just part of it, I guess. Um, and, and I, I'm here to tell you, that's not the, that's not acceptable. We're, we're in mm, uh, it's not. a day and age where you can get your hands on a really high quality pair of shorts that are going to last you a really long time, um, that it might sting on the onset because you've never spent that much money on Lycra before, but I promise <laughs> you it will change your experience when you get into these three, four, five hour bike rides um, you will be thanking me, uh, for telling you to go buy these shorts. Um, everybody is a little bit different. And I think there is an important variable that, you know, going and trying on again, trying on, on bib shorts, uh, at most bike shops is not unattainable. Usually shops will carry, uh, cycling shorts. Um, but having a really nice pair of cycling bib shorts, uh, and I say bibs specifically because, when you're training, especially if you're training inside, uh, you don't have that, that variable of having to go to the bathroom when you're out on the road. Um, mm-hmm. The bib shorts are a pair of cycling shorts with a, sh- with a shoulder strap. So mm-hmm. what that shoulder strap does is, is achieves, uh, really its main function is keeping the chamois and the shorts in the same position as they're designed to be in. Without that chamois, the, the shorts tend to slide down, and the chamois just ne- just migrates to wherever it ends up, and you set you sit on it. Um, so that that's a big piece. Um, and then you know, looking for a pair of shorts that doesn't have seams in precarious places. Um, we've seen absolutely too many pairs of shorts. Uh, Ruin people's training rides, or you know, cause such severe chafing during a race that the run is just an absolute uh, mm-hmm. supper fest. And um, you know, we don't need to we don't need to suffer unnecessarily. We're going to be suffering enough with uh, our bodies, and you know, the experience that we're having that having <laughs> soft tissue damage is not a you know, or having abrasions on our on our skin is not something that I think any of us want to experience. Um, So really being intentional about looking at that chamois, making sure that when you try it on, that there aren't areas that feel like they're creating pressure or creating any acute points. Um, And this is a shameless plug, but there's a reason why we're working with Osos of Switzerland now. And uh, on multiple levels, they are a partner in Peak State Fit uh, because the short is honestly, the most comfortable piece of cycling apparel i've ever worn um as somebody who's worn uh, a chamois while they're riding their bike for 20 plus years um i've i've never thrown on a pair of shorts out of the bag and ridden it with as much comfort as i i have with a pair of also spook shorts Um, their Shamies are 100 percent agree. They, they are a game changer. and uh, I remember getting Heather her first pair of Osos Bibs, and it was just this it, it's almost an unfair experience where it will it will ruin you for any other pairs of Bib shorts. I always say it's like a, it's mm-hmm. like a, a, a piece of clothing unto itself. Uh, there's so much that goes into each pair of these shorts. Uh, And the chamois that has been constructed is um, above and beyond the nicest chamois. There are no seams in the chamois. So it sort of eliminates that discussion of having there be chafing from a seam in an unnecessary place. Um, Mm -hmm. The chamois is not sewn into the short. It actually is sort of, it's designed to essentially cradle your uh, undercarriage in uh, a a way that doesn't produce more friction. Uh, It allows you to sort of Uh, move around on the saddle naturally as your anatomy moves with each pedal stroke, your chamois should move with you. And so um, Mm -hmm. it carries that philosophy that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, the only thing that's separating your body from your saddle. So whether you have the most comfortable saddle in the world is irrelevant because um, a lot of saddle sores and discomfort is caused by friction. It's not necessarily by pressure. Um, You combine fret, Pressure and friction, then you have uh, an uncomfortable situation. And
0: um, so. Right. And I'd like to add to that specifically in that I think women, especially, I don't know if this is as common with men, but I know a lot of times women associate more padding with more comfort. But A lot of times more padding, so adding extra layers, you know, I've heard of people trying to wear two bib shorts or putting a gel cover over their saddle. Mm -hmm. Um, when you create more layers, you're creating more friction, more places for heat. Um, and so it's not, that is most of the time not going to create more comfort to, to add more layers. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, and even the, the, saddle height and bike fit discussion the more thickness you add the, the more you're changing
0: elements you of change your bike fit. <laughs>
1: so there's you know that I, I think getting getting into a pair of bib shorts do it right the first time um you know don't be afraid of a little bit of compression they should be very snug they should not be easy to slide on they should um mm-hmm. they should be well fitted um And they shouldn't, they shouldn't sag down a lot of times when we talk about shorts in the bike fit studio with people on older pairs of chamois, older pairs of shorts, um, you'll actually see space in the undercarriage where there's, you know, someone is riding and there's just, it's, it's almost like the, the shorts are sort of falling down and Mm -hmm. it will totally change someone's comfort if you position the chamois in the right spot. And give them the padding in the place where it needs it, and then maybe a little bit less. Of the design of the chamois is cut to fit your anatomy, and so uh, there's there's a lot to be learned there. And I think with uh, with each long course triathlete, you know, having uh, having that be a big starting point, thinking about your contact points, so your mm-hmm. shoes, your saddle, and your your front end, your your arm pads, and how your how your body is positioned and the comfort of those arm pads, um, those are going to be the things that you can control and that you don't want to have to think about when you're four hours into the race. Um, yeah, and it, this does bring about a nice transition. You're probably not going to race your full Ironman in your cycling kit, unless you're not as concerned over time. And Mm -hmm. Heather, if I remember correctly, you did a full change in your first Ironman because your goal was to experience the day and have fun, not be completely miserable. So so tell me a little bit. And it
0: was Ironman Canada. it. It was a little chilly. And I wanted to make sure that I was warm enough. And so I did. I think my transition time was around 12 minutes in my first Ironman um, in T1. And I did make a full change from my wetsuit into a cycling kit. And then in T2 from my cycling kit to uh, running clothes. Yeah. And, you know, I was happy with that because I had a great experience in my first Ironman. It's one of my very favorite races. But I, I think that we can sort of discuss... Um, specificity and training Mm -hmm. in that maybe do um, whether, you know, you might not even know what you're going to. Most people, when they start training for a race, don't know what they're going to wear on race day. Um, For, I know women in particular, um, we like to know, like, that it's going to look good. Some people like to match their bike. (laughs) You know, some people are on teams or tri clubs, and they may not have as much um, selection in what they're going to wear on race day if they want to associate, you know, with their team or their club and wear whatever that is. So I would say with specificity, just make sure that once you know what you're going to wear on race day, that you are doing some of your training, especially in that like eight week time period, which I call the time period of specificity. And then Doing a lot of your training rides, though, in your most comfortable wear, which is going to be your ASOS bib shorts.
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah, and and they do make trikits yeah. as well. Um, Sky yeah. has been a sort of pilot for that program with their. That's it's been the first year that they've really uh, developed uh, a tri suit and made it uh, a more easily accessed custom kit and uh, yeah, so they take a while to get, but if you are interested in ordering one, we will be, uh, offering that to peak state fit athletes and we'll push that out in social media. Um, there's not an online store option. So we're sort of working through the logistics on how to effectively take, taking money, place the orders, get them all together and then, uh, you know, get those, get those rolling. Yep. But luckily we're in the beginning of, you know, this, this yeah. course only five episodes in. So, um, you know, as we, <laughs> as we get that up and running, we'll update you, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So um, I want to move on and talk about, we did, you did brush up a little bit about adding aero bar extensions to a road bike. Um, but I with see if, If you, without getting too technical here, because I don't have, um, we don't have a ton of time to spend on this topic, but maybe let's just focus on how you can, um, prepare people to take some caution of you, you're not creating a triathlon bike. And I think that's what I really want to focus on is that it's not the same thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And, and where where should, I mean, so let's assume that um, we hope that people have access to a professional bike, bike fitter and can maybe bring those aero bar extensions into their bike fitter to have that geometry changed. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people just buy aero bar extensions off the internet and put them on themselves.
1: Yeah. So I think one one element to consider is, um, again, that slack and c-tube angle, the the more kind of centered over the over the bottom bracket with your knee when you're at three o'clock, that position that you're going to take the road bike to try to fabricate this forward position. One element that people don't really consider is that the reach is totally, totally off from what mm-hmm. uh, you might expect if you just threw on a set of aero bars and plop yourself down. You'll find that it's very challenging to create that much forward flexion comfortably and um and be able to produce any kind of good repeatable power be able to breathe well you know obviously it's going to create a lot of a lot more extension in your neck so having to you know crane your head up when you're in this long extended position it's just not optimal so i think what um Mm -hmm. you know what we're probably looking for here is what are some what are maybe some changes um that, you know, to the equipment that's already on that bike that will help you achieve an aero position easier. Um, again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. first piece of advice, find a find a reputable bike fitter that has worked with triathletes and that is, you know, experienced with this because that's that's the number one thing. If you don't have access to that, we're happy to help. We do consult remotely and we do a lot of virtual bike fitting with athletes all over the U S, um, even worked internationally with people. And it's, it's a, it's, it's helpful, but, um, if you're going to do this yourself and you're going to try to achieve, you know, making some modifications, the first thing you need to do is reduce that reach to the front end of the bike. And so creating a less slack and seat angle, um, by positioning your saddle a little bit further forward, um, the there are a few seat posts out there that will get you even further forward than a uh, zero offset seat post. But at the very least getting yourself on a zero offset seat post, that means that the seat will be positioned more centered on that seat post as opposed to where there's occasionally what's called like a setback, seat so of 15 or 20 millimeters that is designed mm-hmm. to get that saddle further back. That's for a road bike. If you're trying to get yourself yeah. further forward, mm-hmm. center that seat up, maybe knock it forward as you, as you come forward with your seat, it will, it will reciprocate in a, in a, uh, by shortening your distance to the, to the bottom bracket. So you might have to raise your seat up a little bit, go incrementally with this. Don't go, Mm -hmm. don't measure in inches, go in millimeters. I would say, you know, it's about a two to one ratio. So, um, you know, for every, uh every millimeter that you raise your seat you'd have to bring it forward too so sort of make it make it in that relationship and
0: mm-hmm.
1: take measurements don't don't be afraid to mark a spot on that seat center of the seat to the center of the bottom bracket is the most reliable make sure that that is staying somewhat consistent as you come forward what that's going to achieve mm-hmm. is shortening that distance between your saddle and your handlebars and then when you put those aero bars on that will allow your, your hips to rotate a little easier, allow you to kind of get into that front end and um, and begin to figure out what distance you want your aero pads and your extensions from your seat. Sometimes mm-hmm. people need to shorten their stem a little bit. Sometimes people need to adjust the distance of the arm cups to the end of the extension. So there's all these little moving parts and one piece will generally affect the next. So, it's hard to not get too technical with it, but, um, I think yeah. at the end of the day, it just heightens the importance that you find somebody that's, uh, that knows what they're doing and that can be, a, a good resource for you as you go about this journey and figuring out what's, what's the right position for me. What's, what feels better when I run off the bike, how, how can I stay in this position for longer? and not compromise my power output my ability to eat and drink and my ability to breathe effectively
0: absolutely i mean and that's probably the key takeaway of this entire show um is that we are all so highly individual and so what works for one person doesn't work for the next but it's not all about comfort it's about you know what does that do to your breathing all the things you just said so i um that's, that is a, a key key takeaway there. And that's that's a great thing to segue into um, sort of the last uh, it's not really a, a question but um, I have it phrased as a question one that it, how do age fitness and biomechanics influence uh, your equipment selection? Um, because I think that I so in our studio we see, a lot of professionals that are, you know, I would say a lot of them are over 40 doing their first Ironman. Um, Some of them even older, we had, you know, someone in the studio last week, 58 years old, um, training for Ironman, great shape. But what kind of considerations do we need to take from, you know, that 58 year old athlete as opposed to the 28 year old athlete on, maybe they're both buying the same bike because that's another thing is that there aren't a, um, endless, num- you know, varieties of geometries available, but we can make adjustments to those geometries for the individual. Yeah. I didn't and didn't phrase that and the I, best th- that I could,
1: but. Um, that's a good question. Yeah. And I think um, more than anything, it, it has to do with people's functional Ability to um, load their joints accurately, to move in space without uh, without risk of compromise, um, and this is very unique among athletes because I've seen athletes in their 30s who don't move as well as someone in their 60s, yeah. and that's because right. they just have a they have different genetics, they have different lifestyles They, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I, I think too, there's, um, there's a really large impact of our current state of technology and the impact that it's having on our ability to, to have good posture, to move well, to breathe, uh, fully. And, um, you know, this can also probably build into a bigger discussion, but, um, you know, I, I, have, I've had 14 year old kids, mount, high school mountain bike athletes come in and not be able to touch their toes. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think the older the athlete, the less of those impacts um, are magnified. And, and to the 30 year old athlete, you know, someone is myself, like kind of same age as myself, I'm 34 and um, I didn't grow up with the same devices that a lot of the young kids nowadays have so I think that's a really big part of the discussion is just looking at you as an individual and so taking that into consideration does have a tremendous amount of impact on the selection of your bike the position that we ultimately will put you in um, and you know the, the the level of the bike that you end up with if you're you know if you're I don't, you know, care if you're a, you know, Wall Street exec and you have all the money to work with, that P5 disc might not be the best bike for you if you can't reach the bullhorns from the mm-hmm. position that we place you in the extensions. So the P series, the Cervélo P series is a, you know, just a different front end and basically you can run a slightly higher position of those brake levers along with the arrow extensions and Create a more unifying uh, variety of positions that accommodate you and your anatomical and functional fitness needs. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of where um, that prefit discussion, again, we talk about not only the geometry of what we need from a stack and reach standpoint at your arrow bars, but also what's that functional uh, capacity of your maybe your climbing position and where you're going to end up on your brakes. And you know your bullhorns for you know getting out of the saddle, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and taking taking a lot of that. Like, okay, how much forward reflection can we achieve? And um, really heavily talk through. Okay, what are going to be some of the? Yeah, maybe this bike will work, but what are going to be some of the compromises that you're going to have to make? Or what are going to be some of the additional elements you need to do in your daily routine? to help you achieve this position better so that you're not debilitated coming off the bike and running a marathon.
0: Right. And that is not even so, I mean, that's not selection, uh, equipment selection, but that's not something we've even talked about in today's show is that, um, to achieve comfort on the bike for, you know, consistently and long-term and to just, you know, um, increase your chances of remaining injury-free throughout the, the, all of your training with swimming, biking, and running, there's work that needs to be done. It's not just automated that a bike fit will create comfort. There are um, injury prevention exercises that we should be doing to build strength and areas to support us on the bike as well. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, I'm going to wrap things up for today. Um, There's certainly so many areas that we can expand on, but we know that um, bike selection doesn't have to be complex if you seek the advice of a professional doing a a pre-purchase sizing fit. And also, I think, you know, considering um, with bike fit specifically, I wanted to wrap, wrap up saying it's not a one and done process that your, your body changes, your fit changes with your body. So whether that's the aging process, whether you, you may become way more fit over the course of training for your Ironman. Um, and so fitness can even change, um, the way your muscles can interact with the bike. And so make sure that you, um, follow up with your fitter. We offer six months. A follow-up time, complimentary at Peak State Fit, um, because bike fit changes over time. You yes. Know?
1: Yeah, and, so, and I think uh, when we shed light on some of your areas of limitation, uh, often they're they're functional and they're not something that are you know that is entrenched in your DNA. They're things that can be changed, and uh, if you work diligently about uh about those things whether you're working with a PT or a strength coach or you're just doing them on your own um we like to honor those changes and we like to help you get more out of your bike position mm-hmm. and your experience when you're training and um and that's a big part of the discussion in moving forward and gaining awareness of your body and your uh your ability to perform in all three mm-hmm. sports um and, and kind of, yeah, giving, giving you a, a sense of, uh, you know, these, these little incremental, uh, improvements, uh, can be very inspiring to those little process goals that you create in your training. And, um, and I think that's the, a, a really big piece to, um, to not discredit and, you know, having those people in your corner, um, who really are help, there to help you get the most out of yourself, um. You know you have to lean on your on your team your tribe your family that you're creating through this experience and so uh yeah really find those people and um you know communicate with them well and make sure that you're make sure that you're honest with with those people because you know they're going to be your advocates in uh in this journey
0: yeah well thank you so much pat i think that there was a wealth of knowledge from today's episode and um, one of the things we didn't get to talk about today, and I am going to end the show, is we um, is race wheels entire selection. And so maybe we'll come back and talk about that because I think there's plenty more opportunity to talk about bike fit um, again. Definitely. <laughs> so thank you for being on the show, Pat. Look forward to the next time. Thank you, Heather.